Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much again for joining me this week. My motivational quote for today is by Carl Bard, and it says, Although no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. New Year's resolutions, which is really another way of saying the things we want and we are willing to make a commitment to, make those wants into reality. But three months later, we know how it goes, those resolutions get thrown into the hall closet along with yoga mats, Pilates boards, ski poles, juicers, and everyone's favorite book to help them fall asleep, Understanding the Stock Market by Mr. Sandman. What happened? Today my guest, Peggy Burdick, is going to help us create smart goals, breaking them down into workable pieces so our New Year's resolutions, really and our resolutions throughout the year, have a chance of surviving and actually become attainable. Uh, Peggy is a speaker, author, life coach, and has been featured in Forbes Magazine, The Huffington Post, U.S. News and World Report, MSN Living, and so many more media platforms. Are you ready to hear ideas and tips to help you stay focused for 12 months and hopefully longer than that? So at the end of 2016, you can look back and say, look what I've achieved. I am awesome. So Peggy, welcome. Thank you so much for being on today. Oh, listen, thank you for having me back. And I I have to admit I cringed when you talked about the hall closet because I am just on the eve of buying a bicycle <laughs> and, and of signing up for tap lessons. And I'm thinking, you are so bad at this. You never, Everything you commit to, most things you commit to, you start to negotiate. It's like, I yeah. don't know, did I want it right? So let's let's make sure that if we're going to spend that money on a bike and lessons, that I'm going to be 100% committed to it and making it work for me because it is a lot of fun. It is. And and it's funny. I think that's awesome that you picked a bike but also the tap dancing because (laughs) I think when we – but see, but you're laughing even as you say that because if we pick things that are fun, you actually might show up to those resolutions versus saying, I'm going to work out every day, I'm going to get up at 4.30 a.m. Meanwhile, in my neck of the woods, I know you live in beautiful California, but, you know, at, at 4.30 in the morning, sometimes it's 10 degrees or even below that, and you're thinking, yeah, my bed's warm, I'm not getting up. So how can uh, we, yeah. how, right, yeah. but, right, that sounds so familiar, and I hope the listeners are saying, yeah, that's me, you know, I'm not getting up at 4 o'clock. So what can we do to keep our commitments? And, you know, forget about the new year. It's really those commitments all, all year long to stay focused right. on. It's not just the beginning of the year. So how can we keep those commitments? What are some ideas? Well, here's, first of all, you know me well enough to know that I don't put a Band-Aid over something or Correct. put up uh, just you know, talking points and glaze uh, over them quickly. What I always teach people is, is really what goes back to control, and part of control comes from understanding why we can't keep our commitments. Yeah, tap dancing is fun. Clearly, a lot of stuff is fun. So if it's fun, then logically a person would stay with it but they don't, right? And as you said, it's all year round that we make self-commitments, which is critical, and, and are challenged by keeping them. So let's, let's kind of dial back a little bit. 
Um, one of the issues which people struggle with, and especially women, is seeing ourselves in a bigger picture, seeing ourselves as the president of a company versus the administrator. It's seeing ourselves as number one in sales versus just you know, a salesperson, playing really, really good tennis. Right? And the examples go on and on and on. So part of it is we, we automatically cut ourselves off. But mm-hmm. one of the underlying issues, again, is about power and is about seeing ourselves as being incredibly competent and being authentic. And, you know, we've talked about this in other places, Connie. Mm-hmm. But being authentic is the challenge that people have because most people live their lives on two tracks. One is authentic and one is adapted. And they're in conflict, but they come really into a head-on crash as we get older because we're unhappy and we can't figure out why. And the why is that if we do what's natural to us, what's authentic to us, and push away all the judgments and all of the other issues that we bring into it, we are just, we're fine. But it's because we have those old messages constantly playing in our heads over and over and over again that we, believe, we start to believe it. And you know, the, you know the expression, if you said something often, often enough, people do believe it. It may not be true, but they believe yeah. it. Yeah, and right. you and I, you know, you were on a show uh, several months ago, and at the end of the show, we we talked about, wow, you know, holidays around the corner, New Year's resolutions, and we both kind of went, hmm, I think we need to do a show on that, and it's mm-hmm. true, and I think we underestimate the power of the conditioning of our brains from when we're really little little kids, and really those um, programming happens from generations back and I'm not sure if we talked about that the last time but you know how my mom was raised and how she raised me my mom and dad and how they raised me was from their parents from their parents from their parents right there's a and probably how I'm raising my kids and my husband's raising our kids that there's an element of my mom and dad and my grandma and grandpa etc cetera, etc cetera. so um, we have all of this pre-programming so I'm glad that you you mentioned that so yeah continue I just wanted to comment on that because yeah. I think I think we poo-poo that and don't give it the uh, validation that yeah it's there man it's in there you know well, here's, but here's, here's a really interesting scientific fact is that your, but kid, boys and girls are born identical on an emotional range. What happens to kids before they're five and six, they are just really sponges. They take in data, whether it's sensory, whether it's, uh, it doesn't matter how it comes into their body. The fact is they glom onto it and they absorb it. But some of those messages, as we know, are very gender specific. And some of the, especially in my house, well, I'm the youngest, and my mother used to say to me uh, not to compete with my older brother. So she was always running interference. Anything I wanted to do, she would cut me off at the pass. I said, no, 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 your brother's doing that. Yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. but no, 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 your brother's right. So that's a really subtle message to say to a child. Or then you deal with the media. And you have situations where boys are encouraged to take a lot of risks and mm-hmm. girls are discouraged. Girls don't do that. Well, girls don't skateboard. What, what do you mean girls don't skateboard? Why can't girls skateboard? I never see girls skateboarding. I see boys, but I never see girls doing it. So those gender-specific messages filter down into 
how we move through the world, how we handle our finances, the kinds of you know, men that we date, the boys that we date and the men that we marry, all of that comes together. And it's so, so subtle. And it's, so, it's like our fingerprints almost. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, it's true. But, but can I ask you a question as yeah. a child? Because I know you're a very um, uh, strong-minded female, right, adult female. As a child, did you give your mom pushback? I was one of the worst teenagers <laughs> because I would, you know, and, why, and this is a this is a huge simple statement. People are cranky or angry because they don't get their needs met. Right. I'm the youngest in my family, so that means I had no power. And it's, at some point, it really starts to back up on you. My mother did not set boundaries, so I used to run roughshod over her as a teenager. Um, and I argued a bit everything. And I was sometimes uncivilized to my mother. I was, I was incredibly disrespectful. Um, so, yeah, I was a typical teenager who really ran amok. I mean, I didn't go to jail. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't get Happy into to hear drinking that. and drugs. <laughs> but I gave my mother a run for her money for sure. See, no, but it's important that you're saying that because, you know, I do have a lot of um, working moms and dads, right, that listen to the show. And think about that. If they have a daughter out there who's really, really giving them a hard time, I like how you said that perhaps your, you know, your mom didn't meet your needs, whatever that was for you as a child, you know, as a teenager. Um, plus you have the hormones and just everything is kind of going crazy. So I hope parents just heard what you said because maybe just look at it from a different perspective um, and maybe they're saying, no, your brother can do that, but you can't or whatever it might be. So thank you for sharing that personal note, and I, I hope I didn't take you uh, off guard by asking that, but um, that's real important because you are a very strong adult female, and I think as parents, we want to see our young females um, develop into strong females, you know, where they have a voice and, and power and use that for the benefit of the world, right? Yeah, but, you know, I, mean, I thank you for the compliment, but I grew into that. I did not, I grew up, if I told you that I grew up uh, terrified of everything. And really? I was, oh, intimidated by everything. That's just the opposite of the way I live my life now. But my, especially my mother, could have made a change. Had she shifted, she could have been a different kind of mother. And ergo, I would have felt confident. Kids' sure. confidence, as they get older, comes from feeling competent, which means that you don't interrupt your child when they're struggling to learn to tie their shoes. You don't interrupt them in their own kind of their overreaching arc in terms of their learning curve. They have to fall down. They have to experience things because that later on serves them well in conflict. And, and, that's, get, and that's part of the yeah. problem, that we're not teaching kids how to deal with their own conflicts. And exactly. thus, now, now we try to make New Year's resolutions and we don't follow through. <laughs> Right. Well, it becomes, but it becomes a model because yeah. all kids do remember when they're five and six that they copy. That's why boys wear high heels and makeup sometimes when they're young. They don't know. They don't know gender differences. So that gets kind of poured cement, and then you spend the rest of your life, unfortunately, kind of undoing it. But it goes back to about how we get in our own way today. Sure. And sure. one of the things that I know that you and I have talked about is self-sabotage. Yeah, and, and, and that was right. that you just had a blog um, about the value of self sabotage 
which really sounds like a contradiction. But I'd love for you to explain that. So I'm glad you mentioned that as well. And, and go and read Peggy's blog on that. Well, here's here's the problem. Is first of all, the way the way to heal and change is to be compassionate with yourself. If we if you if you don't cut off and minimize those judgmental, critical voices in your head, you're going you're gonna to struggle. You've struggled enough. You've been beaten enough in your head. Nothing's ever good enough. But there comes a point when you need to shift because you're not happy, right? You're on this adaptive track. It's not working for you anymore. And let's say you're, you know, you're 40 or 36 or 60. You, gotta, you have the power of choice. You have to give that to yourself. It's not so easy, but that's really what it's about. So if we look back at how we sabotage our resolutions, part of it is this, not the, the fear of seeing ourselves bigger and getting rejected again. If you remember in my book, we talk about that people get rejected, they come out of the birth canal because they, they were forced out of this fabulous hotel, <laughs> another pregnancy. And, sure. and the last thing you want to do is get yet rejected again as an adult because you went out and did something in my case, competing with my brother and maybe eclipsed my brother. Well, that, I'm not going down that road. Oh, no. I'll just, you know, I'll go into the food business or something different. I could not at all step on his shadow. But really, the other piece of it was is that people learn to protect themselves. And that's in part what self-sabotage is about because once you finally see it, identify it, see it in motion and apply it, you can also pull back get some perspective, and be gentle about it. Because if we accept the fact we did it to survive, it doesn't mean we go forward copying it, but the awareness gives us the option to make a change. If you don't have the awareness, nothing's going to change, and, the, and you have to have the desire. Yeah, and, and I think we're all seeking that need for safety, right? We, we want to feel safe, certainly. And by not putting yourself out there, we stay in safe mode. But the, the, the bad, exactly. good news, bad news is, yeah, you're safe, but you're not experiencing life. You're not becoming your greatest self. You're not even giving exactly. yourself that chance. And that's, you yep. know, that's kind of a sad, sad place to be. So New Year's resolutions with the new year were like, yeah, new year, blank slate. And it all seems so fresh. But then you reach that point, you know, New Year's Eve, you make those resolutions or whenever you make them in that first uh, few days. And you say, I'm going to do, but then you never pulled the trigger to do. Let's, let's take a really brief break. And then when we come back, I would love, you mentioned the word choice and control, and we really mm -hmm. do have control of our destiny. I'd love to hear why, and I believe this too, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on it, why everything comes back to that control and, and mm -hmm. on agreement, but we'll, we'll talk okay. about that. So quick break, and then, okay. then we'll hit the, hit the big word, the C word, control. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change. 
Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back and we are speaking with Peggy Burdick and we're talking about really beyond New Year's resolutions. We're talking about how do we make those changes in our life and get them to stick and to take that leap of faith almost to make ourselves better. So the next thing is everything always comes back to that control. Why is that? Control is power. And that's a huge issue that women have struggled with from, from the dawn of man, no pun intended. It's always about power, control, who has it, who needs it, and how do you get it? Because I don't want anyone else controlling me, and neither do you, and frankly, neither does everyone else out there. But we trade that off for something else. We surrender the power and control to get certain needs met. And women have done it forever because, you know, having financial stability is the key for women to survive. But, of course, what happened is the men had the financial wherewithal and the women are home raising children. You can't, it's very hard to do both. You can't be in the field, oh, I guess you can, you know, tilling the soil, and yet you have, you have, you have a three-year-old child. You can't have a child on your back like you can when you're a newborn infant. Sure. So it's been challenging for us forever. And we are the last ones coming to the party. But when people can identify, and it's always in their feeling, Connie, if they're feeling angry, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and they're not getting their needs met, when we are conscious enough to sit down and really attach the perfect word, not kind of sort of, but the actual accurate word that describes how we feel, most often is going to feel powerless, and we're going to be angry. And then you drill down, well, I feel disrespected. No one's listening to me. That's a whole other conversation we can have. For but sure. When we, when we start to really separate everything, the word control is always there. And, so. you know, and, and I, I hope everyone listening, male, female, you know, um, you know, people in their 30s, people in their 50s, do you ever want to give up control of your choices, your decisions, your life? And, and let's face it, Peg, you and I, we've been around long enough that corporations have an ma- amount of control, right, whether they lay us off or don't lay us off, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the, the situation might be. So how do, how do we stay in control is to continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to develop um, different abilities, right? Like you're going to do the tap dancing. It's yet mm-hmm. another avenue for you to move your body, have fun with it. But think about the strength of your body from tap dancing of muscles you've never used before because you've never tap danced mm-hmm. before, right? So it's mm-hmm. that growing of self, mind, body, spirit, the whole uh, the whole nine yards. The um, the control thing, I, I know you talk about voluntary and involuntary consciousness. Can you mm-hmm. define that mm-hmm. for us? Because I think that's an important concept. Well, people, again, it, go, it is about choice. If I want to understand, when people realize they can't control the outside world, mm-hmm. and that's what being, you know, people are called controlling, but the reality is you can't control someone else. You can only control yourself which means you get to make choices. And we live in a country that was founded on the the ability to choose, right? So when we have involuntary consciousness, it's like we have information that comes to us, but we choose 
to ignore it, which sounds like a contradiction. But when we have voluntary consciousness, then I'm going to take in as much information as possible, painful as it sometimes is, so that I can understand what this thing is about so that I can choose. Right? Because sometimes information comes to us and we're not really ready for it and it gets thrown in our lap and we have to find a way to manage it. But when we just make the commitment to ourselves to, ha- to empower ourselves, and take, that means you also have to be accountable for those decisions, take responsibility for those actions. When we can do all of that, then we are standing in the light. That's our power. And even though you have circumstances where you have someone in a corporation and they're kind of stuck there because of the benefits and the salary and they're not really happy there, there are things that person can do to change their life and to bring happiness and bring joy and bring entitlements closer to them. But that is someone who chooses to do it. Because you hear this all the time. People justify what they do based on the financial pieces. And it's just a reality. But you've got to stop complaining. It's like take your pat dancing. Go do things that give your life pleasure. Absolutely. And, and hey, you know, I don't ever recommend someone run out and quit their job because they hate it. That's crazy. Right. My, right. my point is always, okay, you dislike what you're doing. What do you want to be doing? Start to do right. some self-assessment. Um, right. What are you good at? What are your skills? What, get, you know, what gets your mojo going in the morning? You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. from there, come up with a plan so that you can shift from your current role, whatever that might be, into whatever your new um, position or new job or new whatever it is that you want to do or see if you can do it part-time and if that gives you a new you know, enlightenment or a new energy, um, that's okay too. So it really is choice that I was cracking up because you know, I, I teach a lot of uh, corporations how to, and I use in air quotes, you know, sell, selling. Really, it's communicating with their clients better. But let's face it, when we're dealing with customers and clients and what have you, and we think we can control them to say yes or no, et cetera, sure, we can control and improve our communication skills so that we are clearer with the client so they say, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, your product, your service, that's what I need, right? But Mm-hmm. I have no control over that person sitting in front of me. I can influence their decision by using logic and what have you, but I can't control them. So anybody that thinks they can control every situation, I like how you said that they're controlling, but they're really not. Controlling. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, when, and the irony is that when you, again, choose voluntary consciousness and you watch someone who is controlling, it's so easy to track it back to fear Sure. And anger and all those other issues that really drive people because when you are truly in your own space and you are relaxed and you're grounded, the stuff that goes on around you just becomes like really goofy. It's like, why would you do that? It doesn't make sense, you know. Well, think about when you were saying that about the control and and the information coming to you and you choosing mm-hmm. to ignore it, I pictured a mm-hmm. child. Um, remember when you were a kid and your friends were saying something you didn't want to hear? You put your hands over your ears and went, la, 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 la. I'm ignoring you. We do that as adults. <laughs> oh, is it true? That's right. It's true with our hands staying in our pockets. You're right. Exactly. It's so true. We just get, like, eliminated. It's right. We poo-poo it. Okay, that I don't want to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, we have about we have about eight minutes left, so I know isn't that funny? Because you know, you and I always go back to that child within us, which I love because yeah. I think yeah. I think it's still alive and well. We just sometimes have to go in there and say, "I love you. <laughs> I'm going to take care of you today." Um, can right. you give Can you give everybody some 
real good suggestions that, and it really doesn't have to be New Year's resolutions. It could be anything that you're trying to accomplish in 2016 to gain mm -hmm. that control. And, and what are some steps they can take to do that? Okay, good question. So here's, here's the number one thing. And if people can go to my website, which is thefinancialwhisperer.com, uh, at the very bottom, at the footer, we have something called healing tools. And there are three images. One is the wagon wheel. The mm -hmm. second one is the roadmap. And the mm -hmm. third one is the respectometer. The first one, the wagon wheel represents your life. People see these wheels all over the place in different applications. But the center of the wheel is your self-esteem, and the spokes that come out of the hub are different parts of your life. So it's your husband, it's your dog, it's your kids, it's your job, it's your car, it's your medicine cabinet. All of those things get affected by the center hub. The hub is cracked. It's my or, you know, most coaches' responsibility to heal that and make the pieces fit perfectly so that you can have a smooth life. Mm -hmm. So that is a really powerful illustration because how the next piece, the roadmap, applies to the wagon wheel is everything. The, the, the map, if someone can visualize a map that has basically, so let's say it's a train station, and there are four train stations. The one on the lower left is going to be self-commitments. The next train stop going to your right is going to be self-respect. The third station on the right is going to be trust. And the last station is going to be love. Now, the critical piece here is the second station, which is self-respect. And this is how it trickles down to what we say what we do. So let's, let's pretend that we have committed ourselves to losing 60 pounds. Now, if we put it in our mind that we're going to lose 60 pounds, it's really it's overwhelming for two reasons. A, how, what is your life going to feel like when you lose the 60 pounds? And B, how is it going to affect other people? So those are things we worry about, right? But meanwhile, that's a pretty big number. Yeah. If, if, if we change the message and make it a sustainable goal, so say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to lose five pounds this month. Okay. Uh, if you do the math, it's going to take you a year to get to your goal, but you can't, but you can't focus on that piece because you can't control tomorrow or the next day. You can only control this particular moment. So if you let's say, are going to lose five pounds a day and you're going to weigh yourself, let's say, every morning, then the kinds of foods you're going to buy and everything you're going to do is going to fit in to support that little goal. But the bigger issue that people don't pay attention to is how they feel when they have succeeded in reaching a goal. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a sales goal. It could be you know, taking care of our kids in a, in a different way, spending more time with them in a quality way. It doesn't matter what you want, but when you get it because you've done the right things, it makes you feel powerful. So then the next month you go, you know, I'm doing pretty good here, and I've only had ice cream twice, and I did this and this, but that's okay, that's okay. I have my, another, my next five pounds to work on. So the momentum that gets built 
really is about shifting a habit. It's really about showing you that no one is listening. No one's watching you. The monster that you're so afraid of being abandoned by is nowhere to be seen. So that's why it has to be baby steps when we want to achieve something. It has to be gentle. It has to be supportive. It can't be critical. The third tool is how you do it. The respectometer, when you look at it, is like a clock. So 12 o'clock would be the present. 2 o'clock in the afternoon would be, on this particular scale, on the right side, meaning you're doing really great. And 3 o'clock is you're a superstar. Conversely, when you go towards 11 or 10 o'clock on the left side, what happens is you're slipping. And then, and then when you hit 9 o'clock, it's like, whoops, you fell down, get back up, we've got to try this again. So here I am walking down the street, and I am uh, hungry. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone gets hungry at 3 o'clock. It's universal. <laughs> I'm walking down the street, and I'm hungry. And on my side of the street is Ben and Jerry's. Across the street is Whole Foods. So I say to myself, 3 o'clock, oh, let's get you know, mint chocolate chip. I'm like, hold on a second. Hold on, you just committed yourself to losing five pounds. How is that going to fit in to losing weight? And you start to negotiate. But then your adult says, hold on, hold on, so take out that respectometer. And you take out the respectometer. And you're going to say, how are you going to feel if you go to Ben and Jerry's? And then neither goes, whoop, right down to 9 o'clock. Whoop, you lost it there. How are you going to feel if you go into Whole Foods and get an apple? Ooh, that needle drops to 3 o'clock. I am so proud of you. You are my favorite person. I'm going to vote for you for governor. I love you. (laughs) Because that moment passes. That hunger moment passes. But it's the feeling of being proud of yourself and garnishing self-respect lasts. Ah, yeah, that doesn't go anywhere with self-respect. That building... You're going forward with that. So you know, and Peg, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Fin- finish your thought. I just, I, so many things I wanted to comment on that you were saying, but go ahead, finish oh. your thought. I apologize. Uh, no, no, I was just going to say, so if you can take those three tools as a starting place, it's really about keeping yourself accountable and not being super critical of yourself and being gentle. That's it. Yeah, you're right. And and a couple of things. First of all, the tools that uh, – it's free, guys. You know, go to thefinancialwhisperer.com. And, I'll, of course, I'll post Peg's website on the Web Talk Radio platform as well. So it's easy, you know, click and go. But those three, they are simple, simple tools that really are usable. And it, 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 it builds the blocks that you're walking before you're running. And, it, and it's really about – self-reflecting so that you do feel happy and good and all those things, but you make better choices. And it was funny because everybody, you cracked me up at 3 o'clock, everybody's hungry. Isn't that the truth, though? You get, you know, lunch is gone and you're not quite for dinner and you're like, oh, I'm really hungry. So the other thing um, that I, I recommend, because you're, you're right, we're, on, we're in the street, we're, we're Whole Foods one side, Ben and Jerry's on the other, or have a granola bar or a healthy choice snack or an apple in your bag or your briefcase, um, men out there, um, so that you just grab in. It's 3 o'clock. I knew I was going to be hungry at 3. I always am. And there's your healthy choice as well. And that is, helps you prepare before the event happens. And that makes the respectometer 
uh, always stay on that up, you know, not falling to that nine o'clock, but really staying up on the um, the higher where we have that self-respect. The other thing you said is be gentle with yourself. Uh, you know, if it, I know Weight Watchers is big with this, I think, but if you if you do eat or indulge one day, okay, you can't go back and change it. Today's gone. Move on. Make a better choice tomorrow. And I think it, it's it's control. I think it's choices. But the three tools that Peg mentioned really give you a visual to lock on to to help you build those sustainable goals. And for you to have a visual to look at, do I self? Where does the self respect come from? And it is you got to walk before you run. You do you do have to crawl. Mm-hmm. So just a great what a great. Um, the whole process you just described and you you really uh, drilled it down to those three tools on your website. I hope everybody pulls that up as they're listening to the show so they clearly understand as well what you're talking about. But it really comes down to control and choice and being better prepared for that and the self-reflection that, you know, what do you really want? What it, What is it going to make you feel like? And, you know, you know, Peg, you know me, I everybody should be happy every day not mm-hmm. that bad things don't happen and we do have sad days. I'm not Pollyanna or some idiot over here. But I, I believe <laughs> I believe that you, you we have to be happy. You have one one round in this life. You know, let's make it our best and, and be, be happy because that resonates with the rest of the world and it can become contagious for those around us. So just great, just great information. Do, do you have anything to add before we sign off today? Um yeah, just a little a little footnote. Um I'm real keen because we, going back to the two tracks, they are represent different parts of our lives. And what I always tell people to do is listen to the whining because most of us didn't grow up with boundaries and respect. I certainly didn't because my no one took the time to listen to what I was complaining about, whether it was legitimate or not, doesn't matter. What matters is in that moment, I wanted someone to hear me. And I have a new blog coming up about feeling invisible growing up in a family, but this is our opportunity. One of the ways to stay with your commitments is to take the whole package. In other words, be able to listen to your little voice inside who's whining and trying her best to convince you to get the ice cream. Yeah. The sabotage is. She's full of sabotage. Sure. But the key is to listen to her, not her behavior to respond to, but to listen. Because there are three things we do all the time. We need to feel it, we need to process it, and we need to pick a behavior. And that's where we fall down is that that processing, the feeling is missing. It's like a bridge between uh, two banks of a river. We have feelings and we jump into behavior. Yep. That's how we get into trouble. That's exactly right. So, yeah, like my little thing, keep the apple with you. That's part of yep. that process. Yep. So, so you don't self-sabotage yourself. Yeah, be prepared. Yep. So, um, yep. yeah, the process, the process, structure, habits, all of that um, creates the change that we're looking for. Thank you, Peg, so much for being on. Um, just great. And I really hope everybody goes and use those tools. Um, they really are simple. And you know me, I like simple stuff. So go I'm, to, yeah. <laughs> I, it's simple, it works, right? We don't, we yeah, don't it does. It's too complex. Um, Go to the website. Thank you so much. Oh, heck, my pleasure. And I just want to mention your website one more time, www.thefinancialwhisperer.com. And, again, I'll post that on the website. Thanks again, Peg, for an awesome show. Um, My pleasure. Thank you, honey. All right. My pleasure. 
I hope all of you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that, really, we got this. These New Year resolutions, easy peasy. Thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks, and have a wonderful week where you set realistic goals, use those tools, and make these New Year's resolutions. Next year, you look back and you you think to yourself, I am truly awesome. Thanks, everyone. Have an awesome week.